Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the D Hour Network Show. I'm your host, Marcia Thaddison, for For Your Help. I just want to welcome everyone back on our show. We have been off for a couple of weeks, and I do apologize for that, but you know, life goes on, and we are here. And for those of you who don't know me, as again, I said, my name is Marcia Thaddison. Um, for Your Health is a program to bring to the table healthy nutrition information that's going to empower us to put the power of good health back into our hands. Yeah. I've met so many, I have so many people on my show that from autistic children whose parents got their kids back, from mental disorder, um, just showing us that food and healthy things are out here. And a lot of times we're so busy working, taking care of bills or um, just busy watching reality shows when I tell you our reality is being shaken. But I'm excited about our guest because he's going to bring some information that's going to empower us to have better health, how to grow your own food, because if anyone listened to my show, my previous blog talk show, that's my mission, is to educate the next generation and remind the older generation on how we can have control over our lives, our bodies, our, our food. It's us. It's us putting the power of health back into our hands. It belongs in our hands. So what we put in our hands affects our lives and the people around us. So I am happy to bring on my guest, Ibrahim. I tear up his name all the time. I have him on that. Ibrahim Bay. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Oh, it's pronounced Ibrahim. 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 Bay. Ibrahima. Ibrahima. Like, Ibrahima. Like, correct. Yes. I, yes, ma'am. Yes. All right. Ibrahima. I apologize. My, my last name is Sadie. S A I. It's okay. It's all good. My last name is spelled S A I D Y. Sadie. B A. B A. Okay. Ibrahim. I am. I met you in Atlanta because I live in Atlanta and you were here in Atlanta at Seven Under. And anyone that's not familiar with. Seven Under in Atlanta is the all-natural health food store. It's a co-op type of store where people coming together with like minds and supporting that on nutrition through diet. And your personality just drew me to your table. Tell our listening audience about who you are and your mission. Oh, well, greetings. Thank you so much. Um, so thankful and um, to be on for your help with Sister Marcia Titusen, uh representing Food, Clothing, and Shelter. You know, uh, Food, Clothing, and Shelter has been a movement almost about uh, 15, 20 years, close to. We now have a festival behind the film. started off with just being um, inspired and having a culture shock in Atlanta. You know, after uh, coming from my world travel, I hadn't been everywhere, but I had been very few places. And uh, a friend of mine convinced me to come to Atlanta that the people there look just like me. And um, uh, my plan was to go to Africa, but uh, my friend convinced me and said that. So I had to revalue that and think about that, and I did. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, if I made it to America, I'd definitely be interested in finding out more about, you know, our brothers and sisters that we're taking out of our backyard, you know. 
I'm going on this side of the hemisphere, you know. Uh, I got the right. opportunity. I'm here. So I went to Alana, and he was right. The people did just look like me. It was very striking, actually. But also, I had a culture shock, um, two culture shocks. One, I had seen progressive blacks, male and female, in all areas, like medical, law, you name it, black folks just like, you know, um, doing the everyday life what progressive people do. And as a young progressive black man, I was inspired by that. You know, um, I wanted to be part of that. But on the other hand, also, I had a culture shock about the people on the fluctuation. I've seen so many homeless people in Atlanta I had never seen in my life, not even in West Africa where I grew up. So watching that, it just reminded me of my grandfather, that if my grandfather was to witness that with his kind of attitude and character, you know, uh, the kind of person that he is, He's not just going to stand there and be a, and just stare and, and just walk away, you know. Might have him even drop everything. So that's what happened to his grandson. So I, I, I was like, okay, I, I find out now what I was being prepared for as a, as a you know, young man traveling uh, when I was supposed to be in college. But I knew I had a calling, so I had to find out what that calling was. So in my travels and my experience, again, you know, uh, as travel does, you do gain experience. It's actually one of the best things you can get from traveling. So um, made it to Atlanta, and I saw what I saw. I said, okay, good. Uh, this is what my preparation was. You know, this is um, something that I have to really educate myself about the reason behind this, because we are not homeless in Africa, and also, you know, what can I do about it? So that's where my page started. Uh, that's where I, I started my, 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 my page in um, in food, clothing, and shelter. Without with a very little resources, matter of fact, maybe no resource. So I uh, start taking pictures, you know, of what I see. I volunteer these, um, you know, uh, uh, like feed the. Uh, I don't like to use the word homeless because these are our brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. Uh, that'd be a wrong language to call your own brothers and sisters homeless people. If they're homeless, what happened to you? Right? You know what I mean? So, um, right. so, it, so I, I had that approach from a very compassionate uh, place, you know. Uh, so uh, uh, the people I communicate from that from that space too, and uh, they received it very well. And then knowing that I came from Africa, a lot of these brothers and sisters, I was telling them, I'm taking your picture. Uh, so I could take it home, so I could show our people, you know. So I got some um, very uh, beautiful moments and moments that I remember for the rest of my life, and I try to share some of it on my films. So I created a street journalism medium, um, you know, uh, start uh, making copper bracelets to see how I can fund these projects. Uh, Ten years later, there was a film. Uh, after the film, uh, there were screenings at Savananda, as you mentioned. Uh, what a great store, great place. It's the only vegetarian restaurant uh, in Atlanta, I mean, um, health food store in Atlanta that is all vegetarian and has uh, the most bulk section perhaps in the nation, if not the second, you know, where we can go find these herbs and everything. Uh, so I, I worked with them. They had compassion and empathy with the film. So, uh, 
they were able to screen it, uh, was able to meet people there, light, light minds, like you said. Uh, older woman said she had an acre land in Stone Mountain that she would like to donate. Possibly we could start a, a community garden and, you know, uh, bring whoever is in need to cultivate. Uh, that was a blessing. But at first, me, I knew that it took me 10 years to make a film with, you know, all my might and everything with the ancestors because that's who I was doing it for. Uh, so taking on a land with no resource and after coming out of making a film that had me, myself, and the homeless, you know, I really had to think about that. But a sister from Kenya, too, was in the screening room that day, and um, she kept calling me and telling me, you better go get this land. You better go get this land. You know the value of the land. Go get this land. You know, I guess she was just one of you, you know, one of the mother teachers, you know. And I was like, after all this work, she was like, yeah, after all this work, how much more work? You better go get this land. So I was like, okay, good. So I went and got this land, and... Um, I'll be there some days by myself. A uh, few people start coming in. Few sisters start coming in. It was amazing. And the next thing you know, we got rules to change. And we were there every Sunday, once uh, once a week, four hours a day. And, you know, uh, we didn't sell nothing. Uh, when we had the farm, very few urban farms were in Atlanta. Now urban farms are everywhere, you know. Um, so, uh we were also able to sell our films and bring our brothers and sisters from shelters and give them employment in the farm because this whole so-called homeless situation, we also see it as an untapped resource. You know, if you give me all my brothers and sisters, we'll be growing food again and cultivating the best thing that we do, that we know as natural people. You know, since we had disconnected from, you know, our natural order, we see what that had created you end up a lot, lot of the people on a fluctuation, you know, uh, lack, lack of knowledge yourself and all of these things. So um, the children are realizing that, and they know they have to be grounded. You know, they have to tap into, you know, their culture, into their roots. Um, so for me, I was very, very touched in Atlanta with the young people over there. And older folks too, older brothers and sisters. Like if you come to the farm on a Sunday, any given Sunday, it'll be packed mm -hmm. like 50 people in there, male, women, children, everybody, everybody has their hand in the dirt. You couldn't tell who the attorney or who, who, who came from the shelter. You know, we're artists, students, you know, everybody was there. We were all at each other's level, so grounded. I mean, so beautiful. If you watch the film, this what these are the things you see. You know, and um, nobody really pay us to do these things. Everybody was just coming out. Whatever we need, if I can provide it, uh, we all throw our money together. You know, folks were bringing stuff, and we didn't lack anything. We we used the power of our ingenuity, you know, and we were able to provide for ourselves, you know, self-reliance, like, like you said, you know, on your website. What a beautiful website. So that's why I was saying, while we were working, we didn't realize that also, I mean, of course, there's people working on all platforms and on all levels, but going through your website, it just, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's so coincident, you know, like with everything Roots of Change was about, the food clothing shelter is about. So everything we are doing now is ancestrally inspired because the ancestors really 
like the Dogon people say uh, on the Ripple Effect storyline, the Dogon creation story. They talked about the art of agriculture was brought here to earth by our ancestors. When at what point it was chaos down here, it was no order, just like it is right now. And our elders, eight of them, uh, four males and four females, came down from the heavens. With them, they brought the life civilizing skills that everybody civilized themselves with, such as plowing the land, weaving a basket, making a clay pot. You see all these things. Uh, when they came, they prepared a soil. You know, they made beds eight feet long and then planted in eight rows in memory of the eight ancestors and um, did that. When the neighbor saw that, the neighbor had to do the same thing. Then the next neighbor saw that, did the same thing, did the same, the other one, so came the ripple. So if we know ourselves and know that these things had been inspired through us, but we have got disconnected from it and it's not putting us in the peaceful state of mind that we need to be. You know, it's kind of critical. You know, I know young, some young men that their mothers did everything for them, like send them to the best schools, uh, try to help them get the best jobs, do everything, and son just wouldn't have it because it's not an environment that helps his soul grow, his heart grow. Mama now is thinking, what happened to my son? I know my son is not retarded, but he want that. And then the same brothers and sisters come to the farm and start using the best value of their education. I mean, telling children, friends, taking notes, doing all these beautiful things, acting like they are at a professional works, uh, a workplace. It's amazing. And, you know, I agree with you 100% on what you are saying because it's been times I've been down to Alcorn University. Uh, I've been down mm -hmm. to Tuskegee with the Black Farmers Association, meeting with them when they have the Farmers Conference. And when I come back, because usually they're much older men, uh, it's not that many of us farming, and there used to be millions of farmers in the United States, but they're no longer that. And I kind of, me, That's myself, right. I kind of, I fought the USDA because I truly believe segregation through the farming industry has locked out a lot of farmers from getting um, farm bills and other uh, support that's supposed to be out there. That's right. But yes. I see so many young men and women, especially our young boys, walking the street with their pants down, and I'm looking at them. And yes. I shared this with my daughters and three. I truly believe the reason why they can't work on anyone's job because they're not supposed to. They're supposed to own their own land. They're supposed to have yes. a farm. And I remember yes. one day driving on Camp Creek, and it was a young boy riding a horse down Camp, Camp mm -hmm. Creek. Oh, yeah, and yeah, tripping. that's right. Yeah, it's so like it, it stand out because you don't really and I'm like, rarely see wait that. a minute. Yes, so I, I put the car right. in the U-turn and ran, drove up there and said, wait a minute, why are you riding a horse down Camp Creek? And who taught you how to ride a horse? And I'm talking to this mm -hmm. young man. He said his grandfather taught him how to ride a horse. And he was That's now right. trying to teach the next generation on how to ride a horse and how to raise a horse. I, we're so disconnected, and people are waiting for food stamps. They're waiting for their um uh, the handouts in some of these uh, food pantries, which I'm not complaining about. 
if someone needs to eat. Mm-hmm. But I do believe mm-hmm. we need to go back and put our hands into the soil, into the minerals, because with yesterday's kitchen for today, my, my business on teaching the next generation on canning, fermenting, how to use food for medicine. If anyone listened to my previous blog talk show, I've had farmers on. I've had uh, people on showing that they got their mind back, their health back with food that came from the ground, not from the box, not from the fast food places, but from the earth because we came from the earth. And when you put your feet in back into that soil and connect to those minerals, it brings us, it grounds us back to who we are as a people. And I think that is so needed with this generation because a lot of them don't even see sunlight because they're so busy watching television. They're in the building, and they're vitamin D deficient. And I had so many people say, oh, I'm depressed. i got to get a vitamin D shot. No, get outside in the sun. Walk the earth. Be a part of nature because that's where we come from. And my question to you um, I, too, when I first moved to um, Atlanta, I was moved by the homeless people. My husband and I used to do Bible study in our home before he passed away. And I read a book. Yeah. And I read a book about uh, homeless people. And one of the ladies said something in the book, and she said, I just wish people would give us water or there's water fountain because many homeless people go to bed thirsty and I couldn't I closed the book at that point because I could not get past that statement in that book and and then I realized wait a minute you got to buy water and there's no longer water fountain and being in the south you had the water fountain that said color or white only whatever but they remove all the water fountains so you don't have them in the public places like they used to be in the past and you have to purchase right. water. So I went to my husband. I said, you know what? we got to feed the homeless. And we started a ministry called the Brown Bag Ministry, where we would make two mm-hmm. sandwiches, a cupcake, and I had a bottle of water. And on that bottle of water was a label that says, I am the living water. Whoever drinks from me will never thirst again. We mm-hmm. went out one beautiful summer night in July, because one of the guys who used to be homeless that came to our Bible study took us to the homeless camp. I was so moved. I could not believe there was women and children out there. Yeah. And all the all the bags that we had that day went away right away. And we went out at night. Yeah, it, 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 it brought me from my American dream. But, uh, 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 you know, uh, it's also service that I did that fulfill, you know, or that, you know, I participate in that gave me some kind of liberation that I'm not sure even if the American dream could have given me that, you know, but when I saw, like you said, the homeless situation, I never seen anything like it. And if they don't have water for them, they got TV shots for them. A lot of people end up having TV in these shelters. See, black folks didn't pay too much, they have paid attention to some of those. And the brothers and sisters, you know, um, yeah, they will tell you what happened in these shelters. Uh, it's not even the proper place for a healthy human being to be at, honestly. You know, but yeah. we have our people there. But we, even when we were here on this land in cultivating so-called 
uh, when we were enslaved here, we were not homeless. We were sheltered, you know, uh, even though it yeah. may be shanty shelters, but we had shelter. And yeah. we managed to, 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 uh, to, to create food, uh, uh, created recipes. We came yeah. to America with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and we created the American menu, the American diet. Yeah. Some yeah. enslaved yeah. Africans from West Africa experimented yeah. with the red clay, with everything that was around them. Where you think the yeah. gambo come from? The mixing of certain vegetables like yam, cocoa, black eyed peas, everything that is in the menu today. Our fathers and mothers created the here with nothing. You yeah. see, and now yeah. their children are going back, coming from the north, the west, going back down south. And when they go south, they're interested in the land, the land that everybody left and ran went north. But their same children are coming back south. You see how interesting that is? Yes, it is. It the is children that I worked with at Rooster Change, they were very, very serious. I haven't met serious young men like that. I mean, not even maybe in Africa because, you know, they're exposed. They're born and raised in America. If you're born and raised in America, you are exposed. And you want to do what? Go back, cultivate the land? That spoke volumes to me. A child from Africa may not want to do that. May want to leave, go to Europe or America, or chase some, you know, illusional, delusional dreams. Or like most of us do here, like you said, and whoever control your food control your life. Yes, 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 yes. And our people are now, downtown do going you, away. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you talk about? Uh, do you teach people how to save seeds? To use heirloom seeds when they're planting, um, collecting seeds because I think that is so important for us to have for the next generation is to be able to have those seeds that we can take and reproduce our own food. Yes. So I work with organizations like Truly Living Well in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. They are actually one of the biggest urban farms. I started off with Baba Rashid, the founder. He's the pioneer. And um, old man um, went to Harvard, got degrees for um, agriculture. And um, like he said, we don't grow food anymore. We grow people. See, so if you grow the people, they're going to grow the food. So it's like um, yeah. re-educating our people all over again. So they have all that program set up. Uh, they have uh, certain days that they have their market. They have um, seeds, heirloom uh, 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 seeds. They, I mean, I used to go there and buy seeds for Rooster Change. That's where I used to get my seeds from. And uh, it's called yeah, Truly yeah. Living Well. If you listen, you can Google them, Truly Living Well, there in Atlanta. They're easily found. Then there's another organization. They're all on my film, uh, Food, Clothing, and Shelter, Ripple Effect, Volume 2. And you can find that on Amazon.com. Habasha is another great uh, organization. And Habasha, they teach young men and women how to cultivate and also send them to Ghana, Ethiopia. Uh, They do great work. uh, Great work, yes. And they're dealing with the herbs. They're working with Dr. Andrew. They have a memorial um, school for Dr. Andrew over there. Uh, you got another organization called Grow Where You Are uh, with Brother Eugene and Sister Nicole. 
They are outstanding brothers too. I mean, um, they do great work. Atlanta is full of pioneers. I mean, they're actually leading right now, uh, especially with the vegan eatery, as far as I'm concerned. That little, uh, that small community is what's worth supporting. So when I go back there, you know, I try to, like, give my best support to that community because they stand for something. And like you said, uh, yesterday's kitchen. uh Uh-huh. I would like you to take that. Now, are you familiar with the Baker's Creek Tea Company? Which one? It's called It's called Baker's Creek Tea Company. Um, no, ma'am. I've had them on my show. They're nothing but heirloom seed companies. And your organization okay. that's doing what you're doing, they give free seeds. You don't even have to pay okay. for no seeds. And there's other organizations because they come on and they started the company when Monsanto, this young man started the company when he realized what Monsanto was doing with patenting the seeds. And right. now he's international and they are, get one of their seeds, the seed catalog is looking, I don't know, I'm a baby boomer. And so back in the day, Sears catalog was the thing to get. You know, you wanted to you get the Sears catalog and you wish and you dream. But the Baker Seed catalog is like a Sears catalog. It's got fruits and vegetables from all over the world. And mm-hmm. uh, I've had uh, Shannon on from their company and talking about the seeds and their feet. They have a spring festival where people exchanging seeds and bringing different seeds from all parts of the world. And when we went to war yeah. with Iraq, the Iraqi farmers mm-hmm. were mailing seeds to him and say, save our seeds, we're at war. That's right. Because that's revolutionary. It's so important. Yes. That's right. That's your life. Yes. That's your life. Yes. So I have a sister here too in um, Minneapolis from Somalia. Her name is Naima, uh, Naima's Farm. And she has been telling me about collecting seeds from Somalia. So that's exact. I hope she's listening because that's exactly what you're talking about. It's so important. And um, and I need to get her yeah, information so we can put her uh-huh. together. Yeah, I just right, exactly. information. So we want to be able to put that information out. And this is what this is about, bringing this information together so everyday people can have this resource and knowledge of what to do and how to save seeds. Because that's important for me, is to be able to save seeds. Because we have any kind of problem in the United States or any prosperous world, we don't have to go stand in somebody's line and begging for anything. We can have our own food. So, yeah, I would like to tell everybody, you know, to visit yesterday's kitchen for today's uh, .com. You know, the service is, is excellent. You know, yesterday's kitchen for today, LSC, is here to alert consumers, as you said, healthier ways of cooking, using natural and traditional tools, resources, you know, and uh, the, the, to put the power of good health back into the hands of the people. You know, the education right. is so important. Right now, that's what our people need. And once they're educated, mm-hmm. they want to take the next step. Because if you don't know, you know, you can't take the next step. Right. But if right. you are educated, and- you know, you seek for the knowledge respectfully, you're going to gain it. And once you gain it, you're going to have to act on it. And so like you said what before. Stuff like you are doing, that's pretty much what like I said, it's almost the same thing what you did on your website. So I found that right. very amazing. 
uh, we all host the following watch, uh, workshops like canning food, vegetables, and meat, uh, fermenting uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. On our, on our film, uh, there's these two young sisters, Nicole, Sister Nicole and Sister yes, Amera. Yes, saw that. Yes, they, yes. I right. Was, I was they, so they called uh, Cherokee uh, Moon Mixology. And all the sisters asked me, where'd you get those sisters from? Where'd you, they are so intelligent, <laughs> you know. Right, I was so right. excited about your film. Yes. I was <laughs> elated because as soon as I bought that film from you, I went home and I watched it. And I'm oh, like, beautiful. oh, my yes. goodness. It is, he is speaking my language. I'm so excited because I've yes, seen people that. get their health back from cancer, from stage four, stage three cancer, yes. bipolar, yes. schizophrenic, with diet with food. Now, when you, when the people that are homeless or people that's working with you with the garden um, mm-hmm. in the area, now what location, in case people want to be a part of volunteering, coming down there, how can they connect with you to do this? Yeah, well, for me right now, you know, um, I have thought over those projects to the community because it really didn't belong to me. It's the community's job. My job was to kind of just outline these things and mobilize my community and show them, put them on the big uh, screen so everybody can see who's doing what. But, you know, okay. um, so, uh, uh, and then the way I talk in these shelters, as more development happens in the city, you know, a lot of these shelters were being closed. People were being pushed out. So it got even harder for the people out on the street. You know, like I said, I wish um, I'm in a better position to take over, over that situation there. But we, 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 we did what we can, and we made sure the city officials got some of this um, material. You know, uh, also, Alana, on the other hand, uh, like I'm here in Minnesota, and the city really support the locals. That the locals are the ones that move the city officials. Whatever the locals say, I agree. That's what the city officials do. If it was like that in Atlanta, it'd be a different thing because the locals really try over there. I mean, they they do everything on their own, pretty much, you know. Uh, but with these projects like food, clothing, and shelter, and everything that's happening, Atlanta also had bought some big piece of land and about to start the biggest um, urban food forest, like um, a green space, just like it's been said on the film, a ripple effect. Uh, Alana is planting fruit trees everywhere. There's this brother called Robbie Astro. He used to work for uh, Tree Alana. I remember one morning, you know, uh, uh, this was back in 2009. I was working on my first film. Uh, actually, I think I had just got done with that film, and I was showing and everything. And this brother had me stay in one of his house in the West End and say, you can just stay here and uh, watch the house and do your film work. Say, all right, cool. But one morning I woke up, and I came out my door. It was this uh, this man, this young man, was planting a tree in front of my door with the tree of Alana, uh, with the tree Alana T-shirt on. But this man was planting this tree with a passion, you know, and I greeted mm-hmm. him respectfully, you know, and uh, I, you know, I'm working on a film about hunger, homelessness, you know, 
And I remember back home in the open areas, we pretty much don't grow a tree that don't bear fruit, see? And um, I'm looking around in the West End, so none of those trees bear fruit. And I mm-hmm. share that with a sister. Sister say, oh, yeah, that's why the energy is off. They are all male trees, no female trees. The female trees bear fruit. I say, wow, you took it even deeper. So, but, and then seeing this man come plant another tree that I'm not sure if it bear fruit. So I asked him after greeting him, you know, uh, I say, yes, sir, uh, uh, you plant in this tree with a passion there. But is it a fruit tree? He said, oh, no, it's not a fruit tree. Uh, the, the sidewalks doesn't uh, 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 support fruit trees. I guess that's what the city told him. I said to him, excuse me, sir. I said, look up here. I said, you see all these trees right here? He said, yes, sir. I said, don't none of these trees bear fruit. And, and, and you're going to come out here and plant another tree that don't bear fruit? And we're hungry out here. Do you know wow. the following year, this man quit Tree Atlanta and started his own organization and planting fruit trees? Now he's probably wow. in the he's, We call him Johnny Appleseed. He's planting trees in schools, in, the, in schools, in sidewalks, in libraries, in wherever there's people at, where you can just reach a fruit and, and enjoy. And then they, they made a map. Their organization is called Concrete Jungle. And they made a map of where all the fruit trees are. And in season, they will make a group and go pick all these uh, fruits. And do something with it and take it where it's needed. Wow. So I'm sure Ravi Astro is, so is behind some of those uh, 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 tree projects in Atlanta, especially with the fruit trees. So that's what I'm saying. So, you know, uh, uh, your children are, you know, they are, they are doing their best. And knowing that their mother, like you, is doing all this wonderful work, it just uh, reassured me, you know. So I really want to thank you for that. And I'm sure it will re- reassure a lot more other people that are doing these incredible efforts from just, you know, their, their willpower, you know, and from the support and the cooperation that they have among themselves because we can't do really nothing without the cooperation that we need, you know. Wow. That is so – that's such a beautiful story. And, you know, and as a kid growing up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that we used to mm-hmm. have a cherry tree in our yard. The neighbor had a pear tree. The other neighbor had an apple tree. And I truly believe right. they put all those trees down by design because you can only now get this stuff in what? The grocery store. So you have to spend money. Exactly. And right. Oh, my God. Yes, it is done by design because I can remember a little kid watching my dad climb up the tree. He would shake the tree. We'd be underneath the tree just grabbing the cherries, and, and my mom would make something with it, you know. And I want to bring that back. And I want to love a kid to in Africa. So to bring it back. Yes, me as a kid in Africa, I said, excuse me, not a kid. Why would I use a language like that? Me as a child in Africa, <laughs> you know, in my neighborhood, you couldn't, you couldn't sell a child a mango. Everybody got it in their backyard. <laughs> they got so much of it, it's on the ground. How are you going to sell me a mango? I asked my cousin one time. He had just came back from home. I said, cousin, what was different? He said, oh, it was mango and orange season. He said the stuff was on the ground everywhere. He said, but when he went to the supermarket and folks were buying orange juice, uh, 
uh, from Florida. Isn't that terrible? I was like, y'all couldn't make your own uh, factories and press your own orange juice. The yeah. stuff is on the ground, saturated, yeah. going to it. I mean, going back to the soil, of course. But, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, now, as, as what black kind children, of... This is our nature. So that's why when you yeah. see the child in Atlanta, you know, or anywhere throwing plastic after they had drink these terrible juices with all the sugar in it, and then mm-hmm. dash away the plastic on the on the ground because that they, they did that on the, when it was natural. What we did was we, you know, we, we we stood under the tree. It was ninety degrees. It's hot, but also that tree is giving you food to nourish yourself. And after you you, you ate and enjoy the food, you throw away the seed. Isn't that what you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then now they yeah. gave the they gave the children plastic bottles. And so what they do is after they finish drinking it, they just toss it away. <laughs> you know, even though that's not <laughs> the right thing to do. It's plastic everywhere. No. But psychologically, let's think about it. Imagine yeah. if you would have replaced that with fruit trees like um, Ravi Ashrof is doing now. And then you know sugar what? is We're the number take... one cause of most of the problems and disease and everything. Sugar. Correct. Don't let me go there. But, you know, we're going to stop there for a second. I do have a caller. I'm going to check and see if the caller has something to say or share regarding our comments. But we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. Just want to remind our listening audience on the D-Hour Network. I am Marcia Thaddison, your host, and we'll be right back.
Back with the D Hour Network show. Uh, this is Marcia Thatterson for your help. I am. I have my guest Ibrahima on tonight, and we're talking about food, clothing, and shelter. We're focusing That's on right. uh, the people here in Atlanta and our vision of what we've seen. But you know, my daughter was out in California, and I think the homeless population has grown astronomical. I mean, it is really seems like it's exploding. And that's a big issue because you're seeing more and more um, homeless camps popping up, and that's because rent has become, I mean, the rent cost of some buildings and stuff is just astronomical. It's very, it's kind of like a mortgage payment. So you got families um, living on top of each other when the minimum wages haven't changed much. Then you have people that doesn't have insurance, and if they have health issues, that all plays on a people being spiral. But you actually have working homeless people. So a lot of times people want to think people being homeless and not having shelter, that they're not working. But that's far from the truth that some of these people are working but just can't afford to have a, a for apartments, car insurance, car payments, or health insurance because a lot of these things are so expensive. Is that what you was able to find when you were working with some of the people doing your documentary? Oh, that's an amazing question. That's so amazing question. I mean, I had seen not even young folks like able by I mean, young everybody. You know what triggered me too is that I'm seeing all these able bodies. You can't tell me they don't want to work. You know, everybody's health well. They can do something, but not even them. Take them out the picture. Let's talk about. Grandma, older women, oldest grandma. So these people were forced out of their homes that they lived most of their life and paying mortgages. And then all of a sudden, the bank just pushed them out of their home and put everything out mm-hmm. on the street. 
That was heartbreaking yeah. for me. Keep seeing it every morning. I have to change the environment. I mean, and guess what that did? It also broke a family because, you know, as a family structure people, you know, every child, they, they highly embrace and, 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 and speak of their grandparents, either their grand, both grandparents. Me, I speak highly of my grandmother because she's the one that showed me how to work hard like a man. I mean, men didn't even have the chance really to show me that. My grandma showed me that. You see what I'm saying? So wow. a lot of children, that's where they get to experience that because grandma kept it spiritual. While mama, you know, was between spiritual and material, you know, you know, wow. uh, grandma knew the child grew from the spiritual. That's what feed the child's soul to grow. So grandma kept it real, 100. You see what I'm saying? So when a child has a mm-hmm. chance to visit grandma, and then next thing you know, grandma's stuff is out on the street. So you just broke that family also. That child wouldn't have the chance to go see grandma again. So a lot of yeah. families yeah. got broken like that. See? Uh, yeah. But also, um, not only that, like you said, rent was like skyrocket. People can't afford it. Uh, gentrification was happening at the same time, you know. Uh, neighborhood demographics got to change. So the people who live there, they got to be out, especially if they're not owning properties. So when it's time to go, the one that will own it is going to be the one that's going to have to leave. Right. And I've even seen, like, when I stayed in, I lived in Morrisville, North Carolina, along Lake mm-hmm. Norman area. And that Lake Norman used to, in the early years, in the early 70s, 50s and 60s, used to be an African-American population. But then it made a transition, and people started building these beautifully lavish homes along Lake Norman. And I, um, so driving through there, and I'm looking at these lavish homes, and people are telling me about the early years of what it looked like, the demographic of that area. But then every now and then you would drive through maybe a half two million uh, two million dollar house and then you see a little small house that you knew that was right. there. Right, exactly. So you know taxes go up. And I'm like, oh my God. But see they raised the property taxes up. Right, so right. That's how a lot of people lost their get, homes. Yeah, they get forced out. A lot of people way. lost their homes like I I moved I moved in a house, I remember also, you know, one of the houses in the West End. But it, I, I clearly could tell it was a family that was pushed out of there, a mother maybe with six children. I come to find out some of my friends knew who this woman was, but as the new tenant now, I'm looking into the closet, I saw this list of paper of this woman trying to find, seek help from all these different organizations she had wrote down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You see? And that's what so we they got, have to leave. That's the only we have to go back to uh, owning but, the land. And our forefathers knew that. Owning the land. We're mm-hmm. busy trying to own these houses, but we need to own the land. Have the land exactly. that you can pass down from generation to generation. I think I have another caller. Let me check with this caller and see if they have a question here. Um, Beautiful. Bring them on there. Hold on. Great. Yeah, I know the way it's 
Hi, caller. You have a question for Ibrima? Caller? Okay, I think they're on the listening mode. Caller? Oh. All right. All right, no problem. I think we just have some people. A lot of times people just like to listen. They, they, they don't want to um, voice their opinion at this point. But um, I think it's important uh, with yesterday's Kitchen for the Day, what you're doing, and you were talking about this guy you got called Johnny Appleseed. And that's why we have people. We, people are out here. They're doing it, but they're like one little dot. And I want this show and my business to connect all these resources of peoples and farmers together so we can have a beautiful picture of, of us, a community supporting each other, caring for each other, and providing for each other, and exchanging our goods among ourselves to keep the resource, the economic strength within the community, to hire in the community, to serve your community, and to beautify your community by planting and cleaning up your yard and having food and things like that. Well, that's that's where we're heading to. But like the youngster said on the film in the beginning, you say as we become more civilized and more artificial and decadent, you know, uh, we we lose our self-sufficient creative powers. Therefore, yeah. you know, we are disconnected and we forsake yeah. the natural. So mm-hmm. now the children know these things. So what's important to them is going back to these things. So, again, like you said, uh, knowing who is doing what was my main focus as a, as a street journalist. So um, those connections that I make is my whole intention was to connect the people, put them on the big screen, show them who was doing what and everything like that. So. Uh, my next project, my plan is to um, make another documentary film here, and this one is called uh, American Food and History, and uh, the decolonization and the evolution of our diet, simply oh. from the efforts that I see around me being done and performed beautifully by these young pioneers and entrepreneurs that really needs to be recognized and seen. And um, so, yeah, um, by the will of the creation, I would like to work on that this uh, spring because uh, we have to understand that most cultures came to America with their own authentic foods and groceries. You know, the Mexicans came with their own food uh, uh, with their own authentic food and groceries, a market where you can find great foods, friendly people, and fresh organic um, food. A wide variety of, um, if you go to the Asian market too, you know, you can expect yeah. to find all kinds of good stuff, you know, a wide yeah. variety of Asian food, spicy, seasoning, and cookery. But African-Americans, mm-hmm. on the other hand, they have to create their own from scratch. You know, they experimented, like I said, with everything around, including the red clay mud. We're going to find that trace yeah. out there with, the, with, that, with, with, with our brothers and sisters in South, South Carolina, the Gullah Geechee people over there. 
you know, our port mm-hmm. of entry. They kept that tradition. And so uh, they created there from scratch, experimenting with everything around, including the red clay mud for nutrition and minerals. And they made it taste as good as any other cuisine. And like their and it amazed me. who had felt. Yes. Yes. You it know? It amazed and, me. Yeah. And, 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 like like their four parents who had first set foot on the soil of South Carolina with nothing. They added all kinds of yes. new recipes to the American menu. All kinds yes. of recipes in the American menu. And then you talk about George Washington Carver. You know, a prominent African American scientist and inventor in the early nineteen hundreds. And Carver developed hundreds of products using the peanut, sweet potato, yes. and soybean. Correct. He also yes. was a yes. champion of crop rotation and agricultural education. Mm-hmm. Given that history, you know, I was also shocked to hear that most children in the rural areas today don't even know how to plant seeds no more. Yeah, that is correct. And, you know, one you thing, that we visited, we went to George Washington Carver Museum and we did some filming about looking at the right. history of food and how we were doing it, and the lady that was giving us a tour of the facility said to mm-hmm. us just recently that um, some scientists and doctors have came down there to get some of the peanuts to realize right. they didn't have the peanut allergies like they do today. Back then, they didn't have pe- peanut allergies you, to the you people. See what I'm you saying? Sick from see, that's, that's, like that's, that. That's important. And now they right have there. that. And, so they were looking mm-hmm. at what was he doing, or what was going on with the peanut. And I'm telling them, I said, well, it's probably is the soil. Y'all probably weren't. They weren't using all those herbicides and pesticides and stuff because this is under the ground growing. So, but, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, my mom talked about when she moved to Wisconsin in the 50s, they would go to the mm-hmm. slaughterhouse, and this, it was throwing away the chicken feed and the and uh, um, the gizzards and the liver and the chitlins were yeah, all thrown away. All the extras, yeah. All the extras. Yep. And how we took collard yep. greens and stuff. Doctor uh, right. Dr. L. Carter is. I had one of my guests that actually going to be on. Make it into a cuisine, Mama. You know. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. creative but, powers right there. You know. That's right. That's how them folks did it. It's amazing. Dr. Lester L. Carter going to be on my show next week. He's been a prominent guest on my show. He was the first black pharmacist in Milwaukee, but he's an herbalist. He mixes herbs Uh and compounds just like he was Mm -hmm. back in the old days. And he's 89 Mm -hmm. years old and still work and still do his thing. And no medication or nothing. That's right. I keep telling my mother, you got to do what your grandma did. Grandma was like that too. Lived a long life, strong, grew her own food. I was like, Ma, you yes. got to do what Grandma did. You know, don't yes. don't get detached from that too hard. You got to do what Grandma yes. did. All this new stuff yes. out here is taken away from us. And it's see? not the same uh, thing that our grandparents lived. No. Now, my grandmother lived to be 105. Also, and he died. That's he right. That's right. He went. That's right. He went. My grandfather, he lived 105. My grand, uh, the grandfather lived 110, and now folks are dying wow. at 60, 70, and 80. You know? It's amazing. But I read an article um, 
it says that the Baltimore, I mean, um, in this article, it says Baltimore is the vanguard of a national black vegan movement. Really? And this article was posted, I think, uh, the 5th of uh, uh, the, the, the November 5th, 2019, uh, civileats.com. Uh, Jesse James. Okay, let's check out. He said Baltimore. And he says, um, Baltimore? Yeah. Yeah. Check out what he said. He said, over the century, the Jim Crow era approach to land appropriation, the great migration to the cities, and the deep-seated shame about their people's plantation past has all contributed to the radical decline of black farmers. The overall number has dropped from 14% at the point of the last century to just 2% today. At the same time, wow. the Center for Disease Control, CDC, reports that black Americans are more likely than others to eat fast food on any given day and to suffer from diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and a whole mm-hmm. other diet-related illnesses. Exactly. But I say that I said all that to say that the South is changing that because in the South, especially in Atlanta, we got this slogan that we said: "There is no culture without agriculture." <laughs> and young people in the South realize. Young people in the South realize that since they lived in the South and the climate is perfect here, there. Or we can take control of the food we consume. And most people here have backyards. You know, most people in the South have backyards big enough to grow uh, produce for their family. You know, uh, you know I told you about Habitat. I told you about um, Truly Living yes. Well and um, yes, yes, yes. Grow Where You Work. You can find them at the Jimmy Carter uh, Library Farmer's Market on Saturdays. You got to visit that farmer's market, have you? Yes, I've been there before, yes. yes. Okay, good, good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, and also like what, what's important, uh-huh. is what important people realize, even in Atlanta, okay, where we live, we're over here by the uh, uh, Grand Park, uh, uh, the zoo area. When I walk the neighborhood, there's a lot of people that have chickens mm-hmm. and goats in the backyard. Yes. You can hear the chickens. Yes. You know, in in a lot of metropolitan cities, are passing legislations and laws to allow people to have backyard chicken coops, and people are going raise their yeah, that's right. People are waking that's right. up. That is, a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of people are sick because I'm meeting a lot of young women and men who are on high blood pressure medication. I'm, I've talked to a lady, a school counselor, over here at Maynard mm-hmm. Jackson Middle School. Um, yeah. a high school, and she's telling yeah. me she's been on blood pressure since she was blood pressure medication ever since she was twelve. And I looked at her. I mm-hmm. said, "You know that's diet related. You can be set free." And I, if we go back to eating the food, because back in the days when people had their farms, mm-hmm. growing their own animals, I mean raising their own animals and growing their own fruits and vegetables, the heart disease, cancer, and things, they it was not. We, the numbers were very little to none. So that's now what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. So uh-huh. you know that's what that's where we now uh, are, are 
uh, in the process of the evolution of our diet. As I was saying, even though our ancestors never came to America without their own food and groceries, but we can also, with gratitude, with gratitude that today we can say the children are reconnecting with their ancestral wisdom. We are also borrowing from other cultures. Young African Americans are using the knowledge, the taste, and the cookery methods that followed their ancestors from West Africa to South Carolina. And they are crafting and combining new recipes and taking away from the old recipe, you know, and, and putting it into the American menu all over again. I would even exactly. like to introduce to you this thing. Uh, you probably know her, uh, Sister uh, Princess Dixon, Healthful Essence uh, uh, Caribbean Vegan Restaurant in Atlanta. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with the restaurant. Yeah. Yes, you've been there, you know, long as I've been in Atlanta. But when, when I met mm-hmm. her 20 years ago, she was very uh, one of the few vegan options that I knew. Cool. Now they're everywhere. But um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Princess Dixon, the founder of Helpful Essence in Atlanta, you know, this is a casual spot with vegan and vegetarian version of Caribbean favorites plus raw food dishes. You know, I stopped by there one day. I told her I was working on a project, and i like to ask a few questions. You know, uh, Mama Princess, I asked her what inspired her to get into the vegan vegetarian cookery. And I reminded her that when I first met her, almost 20 years ago, there were very few uh, vegan options in Atlanta. And now vegan restaurants, I mean, you can find them almost everywhere. I mean, they're growing and they're growing fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess mm-hmm. what mama told me? She what said, you? I don't want to get sick like everybody else. <laughs> she said, everybody was dying from diabetes and cancer, and I did not want to be one. of uh, be one. Just by saying that to myself, the way was open for me to really start learning how to do this thing how to combine herbs mm-hmm. and vegetables. I studied under Dr. Ignatius. Dr. Ignatius taught at the USOM, Universal Sanctum for Meditation. She said one day I heard Dr. Ignatius speaking on the radio, speaking about how to combine fruits and vegetables by their color powers, how to use herbs yes. and what to take out of the, uh, out of the diet. She said she quickly pick up the phone and call him. She said, I told him that I would like to meet with him. Uh, Dr. Ignatius sent the address, and she immediately went to see him. She said, when I got there, he started to check my hand and my feet and my spinal column. And he was able to tell me what was going, going on with my body just by touching my hands and my wow. feet. She said, she said that intrigued her. And then she said Dr. Ignatius uh, taught at the school, and she decided to attend a class, about 14 of them, she said, in the class. I believe it was lesson 16, she said, she talked about, uh, the doctor talked about what eating animal muscles does to your body. She said, upon hearing the fact, I decided that day that no more meat in my house. Learning all the new methods of combining foods and herbs helped me start thinking, preparing, and saving for my own business since I had enjoyed cooking at an early age. So she wanted to own her own restaurant. 
He said even after all these years of owning the restaurant, she still get uh, she still create new recipes inspired from her heart and what she had learned. So these are the kind of things that you know that's happening in in and around Atlanta, and yeah. I really want to capture it, you know. And um, I asked her what kind of vegetables she was combining that day. She said. I asked her, you know, what kind of vegetable to combine to make a well-balanced vegetarian meal. She said, she explained that she was in, uh, mixing yam, cocoa, and squash. She said, sometimes with plantains and dumplings. Uh, that hot bar was looking great. Uh, I had a plate of rice, black-eyed peas, okra, and plantain. It was delicious. She went on to say, she went on to say, that she was the only black person right by the World Trade Center in New York City in the early 80s and 90s selling vegan food. That's early 80s and 90s. It's a long time ago, you know. Uh, Fast food chains were at their height and power at that time. You know, Hello? I am so moved. I'm so moved by just what you're sharing this story. And there's another lady out of Florida. Her name is Annette Larson. Well, she's 78 uh-huh. years old. She looks like she only 48, or she only looks maybe in her early 40s. And actually, I'm gonna try to sit, right. get her on. And she looks fantastic. And it's really funny with Annette Larson. She, you can guys can pull her up on the uh, YouTube. It's AnnetteLarson.com. And okay. her husband never changed his diet, and he's 81, 82, and she's 78. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he laughs and say, when he go out with her, people think he's her granddaughter, her granddaughter, because he, she looks fantastic. She looks. That's right. What about she, what about Doctor Sadie? Remember yeah. Doctor Sadie? Sadie oh, yes. had a son that's yes. what 79, 80 years old. Yes. So you know, Doctor Sadie. Uh huh. They were in they were in Honduras when he was he they arrested him because they was at his uh his camp his um his uh I forgot the name of the clinic his clinic and yeah, they were waiting to see him they were waiting right. to see him but never got a chance to see him because he passed away they you know how many holistic doctors and people who were on this journey who mysteriously die of um you know but. It's yeah, but you know, may they rise in power I, because these folks, yes. yes, these folks planted seeds. You know, even though you know, Doctor Sebi yeah. always said, "I never, I never don't say Doctor Sebi killed AIDS, even though I did say Africans, Black people kill AIDS." You see, he was all about the collective. See, that's the power. Folks miss that. Doctor Sebi never claimed if a Chinese guy invented something or killed something, they're not going to say Mr. Young killed this. They're going to say China did this. You see, that's where Dr. Mm-hmm. Sebi was. But for the people who didn't know Dr. Sebi, Dr. Sebi is a pathologist, a herbalist, and a naturalist. Dr. Sebi has spent decades studying the plants and herbs of North, South, and Central America, Africa, and the Caribbean. Dr. Sebi has created a line of natural vegetable cell foods that kill most ailments. Sebi Sebi always spoke about an alkaline diet and how his mother in the African jungle passed on the know-how to do it. Anti-inflammation foods, 
he recommends include avocado, berries, walnuts, kale, spinach, extra virgin oil, celery, chia, flaxseed, turmeric, onions, and garlic. Real food and medicine come from Mother Earth. You pick it and eat it from the ground. Whole foods, not from a lab. See, Dr. Savior, was, that's, he was promoting that. So it's a lot of knowledge right. out here for our people that our people can really tap into and they can gain a lot of knowledge and start acting on these knowledge and they can see all the difference in the world it can make. I want people to be able to get a hold yes, of your ma'am. video. Share with them how they can purchase or get a hold of your video. Yes, well, you food, can find clothing and shelter. Food, clothing, and shelter is two of the volume one and volume two. Volume one, I spent, you know, uh, over a decade working on that, but it's for the people. I put it on YouTube. If you go on my channel, Food, Clothing, and Shelter, documentary film, you'll pull it up. You can watch it for free because it's something that every last one of us needs to see. Wherever you are on this planet, I spent all my resources, everything I had, including everything the elders gave me, the ancestors gave me, everybody that participated participated in making that happen. So volume one is on YouTube. Food, clothing, and shelter documentary film. It'll come up, and you can watch it and share it. Now, volume two, ripple effect, that's all solution-based. What to do, what, are, what the people, not what to do, but what are some of the people you know, spending their time doing, and hopefully how that can help inspire you to do the same thing. So Food, Clothing, and Shelter, Ripple Effect, Volume 2. It's on Amazon. Easily can pull it up. You can find it there. Mm -hmm. Now, um, when I was in 7 Under, I bought some jewelry from you. Oh, the copper. Great. I'm glad you mentioned the copper. (laughs) Talk about your jewelry. You're making jewelry. How did you get started doing that? Because I'm, I'm kind of switching yeah, here well, because I want to talk. Because I, I don't take it off. I'm wearing mine all the time. And I need to probably get oh, some more yeah, pieces yeah. from you. But we talk about your jewelry. you making jewelry? What started you off making jewelry? And how did you learn this skill? That's amazing. Yeah, again, like I said, you know, I came here. I got inspired, you know, my whole life turn around upside down from what I see, and I got to do something about it, and I didn't know how I can fund it. I did multiple jobs, you know, I was a stagehand, I was a dishwasher, I did all these things to buy cameras and to fund projects that I need to do that a lot of people thought it was the wrong thing to do at that time, that you don't deal with so-called homeless people that they're hopeless, that you will soon be hopeless too, which a lot of my family members cut me off. A lot of people cut me off, you know. So I had to go all the way by myself. Uh, It was not financial support or moral support. Uh, But I did get moral support from the outside family, you know, because, again, people who see your passion and see meaning and purpose in it, you know, uh, they'll be the ones that will gravitate quicker to what you're doing that uh, some other people that don't even perceive 
or understand what you're doing. So, but in that course, I, I've been working and buying tools. I decided that I need to learn a skill. And um, I met these young brothers, Shola and Brother Amon and Roger, and they were making and selling jewelry, little five points in Atlanta. So I used to go out with them in events at colleges and festivals, and they would make all this money, you know. And um, I was like, okay, well, I need to learn the same way because these people are working, making stuff and selling it and funding their own college, funding school. I thought that was great. So I learned how to make uh, copper jewelry, and I started making and giving to friends, you know, just to kind of like work on my skills for a while. And then uh, next thing you know, uh, I was starting to sell here and there. Uh, the more I make, the better I get. So I decided that since I, I'm working on a film, it's gonna get, it's gonna be too much to uh, make rings, bracelets, this, that, and the other. So I, and then go make films. So I decided to specialize and just make bracelets and make them very well. And I think I did that pretty good, and um, it funded my 18-year career in Atlanta. You know, um, very thankful for it. And then now I'm in Minnesota, between Atlanta and Minnesota. I have the bracelets in most co-ops, health food stores here in Minneapolis, um, and other metaphysical stores. Copper is a versatile and a useful metal for both metaphysical and physical healing purposes. Copper resonates with the earth element and it teaches the ancient ways of walking in balance with the planet and all the beings upon it. Same metal also brings the lights on home. So the metal is very conductive. It helps enhance your blood circulation, remove acid out of your skin. Sometimes you see green coming out of your hands, pulling acid, keep your body alkaline. But then it's recommended you wash that off so it don't go back into your bloodstreams when you sweat. Uh, periodically, I'll see that on my hand, you know, uh, maybe if I eat acidic stuff and everything. When I lock water and sleep, when you lock water and sleep, your bracelet gets tarnished dull, uh, like it looks like it needs to be clean. Like last night, I didn't have uh, too much of a sleep. I woke up this morning, my bracelets were dull. So if I have a good night's sleep tonight, and drinking of water, I'll wake up and my bracelet will be shiny like red gold. So you see stuff like that happening, you know, every time it tells really? you it works with your body chemistry. Yes. So um, I, I, I make these bracelets so simple so that way you can sleep, shower, you know, do pretty much everything with it. And uh, we also have a website. It's called Kappa Numo, uh, com. Kappa, C-O-P-P-E-R. Numo, N-U-M-O, dot com. And, um, you know, uh, we're trying to, some people call them the emancipation bracelets. So, again, everybody has to have one on their arm. Mm -hmm. um, so you can find them in many stores in Minneapolis, like um, all the co-ops, like Lake Wind's Food Co-op, Wedge, um, Dow Foods. Uh, in Atlanta, I have few places uh, that I have them at, but when I go back this spring, I'll make sure I have some solid stores where I can uh, send people. But whenever I'm there, I signed up with Savananda, just like you met me. I, you know, I had came in town for some food, clothing, and shelter business. 
and I was also able to vend and sell bracelets in front of my time in Atlanta because Atlanta is an expensive city. So having a it skill, is. you know, uh, it's helped help you be able to do all those things. So uh, Uh if you're interested in, a, in, in copper bracelet or learning about copper and learning about what the ancients say about copper, like I said, it helps you work on balance on this earth and it bounds you with all the beings on the planet. And, you know, our bracelets have meaning and purpose. We have bracelets like Circle of Life with three lines on it, notches on it, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in all your worldly affairs. We have bamboo. Bamboo is natural. Remind you, stay in your natural state of mind all the time. Then we have DNA. DNA is to connect us with the ancients, with the missing knowledge. Then we have right. Since I'm a writer and I use these bracelets to write these films, I'm urging my community, like Mama, to write so that the children can, you know, get this information. And we have spiral. We got a couple of designs. It's beautiful. So if you would like, visit our website, www.copper.com. Wow. And I, my my braces, well, you know what? I do drink a lot of water, but it's it's maintaining mm-hmm. to stay real nice and shiny. It has not turned right as of yet. Shade, That's right. There you go. You you in great shape. <laughs> So That's I right. keep mine on. Actually, I need to get a couple. Yeah. And I usually don't like to wear jewelry too much, but um, I've right. kept this on. I haven't taken it off, so I'm getting me a couple it's more. It's all pieces. the bracelet I wear, but, the only jewelry I wear. And I have people who told me they haven't took it off in ten years or more. This, you know, like I, I even wrote articles about that. You can also find some of my writings at uh, medium medium.com. Uh, Ibrahima Esbar. And um, I got articles on different subjects, you know, like Atlanta Medicine Women, you know, um, yeah, some of these projects that I worked on, you know, also, because, you know, as for a black child, film alone is not enough. You have to do the film, right. then you have to do another one, then you have to write it. Some other child just have to make one film and that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so your yeah. sons and daughters, you know, they they got to do ten times more than everybody else, you know. <laughs> right, right. But it's great. But you know, but um, you know. I want to go back to the gardening and the thing again. I would love to connect with yeah. you and those young ladies that were talking about fermented foods, and because that's my passion, and to be yes, able correct. to go to the. I want to connect with you with working with the people in the shelter to do a workshop to show them, okay, we done planted this food. Let me show you yeah. what we can do with it and fermenting it because fermented food is a probiotic, and I'm really big on that, and I love fermented cabbage. Right, exactly. Right, right, right. And uh, yeah. I'm going to make some uh, dehydration of um, kale chips and stuff in here tonight. But, you know, I just want to be able to show families that we can have our health back with simple ways of fermenting, uh, eliminating Absolutely. sugar from our diet, because sugar is the next crack cocaine. What is the next crack cocaine? Oh, sugar is because the, sugar is the, just, I don't even use that word, but I will use sugar is the devil in the community. You know, it dries everything up. <laughs> Cherokee Moon Mixology. You can find them on um, 
Instagram, Facebook, and um, they're located in Athens, Georgia. I definitely will be working with them this coming uh, forth. And um, Sister Marsha, yourself, uh, with your knowledge and, you know, your passion about this stuff right here. So we would definitely like to collaborate with you and also, you know, just share some of your ideas. And uh, you even even mentioned about a, a recipe coming with the film. I thought that was a great idea. Yes, I, that, I think that would be fantastic. We need to be able to pass these skills and these recipes down to teach the next generation yes. because uh, I've been out a couple of times in the community doing events and stuff, and one I was doing at the East Point Fire Station. I had a help uh, event. That was many years ago. And my mm-hmm. kids, my children wasn't there. My, my second kids, my, my family wasn't there to help me set up. So the firemen found some young kids that was volunteering with them that day to help me set up. And I was mm-hmm. milling fresh wheat. I was milling fresh wheat at the it, at the event and making fresh waffles for them. And Beautiful. one of the little girls came and she says, "I want to learn how to do this." And she must be about eleven or twelve. So I'm showing her what to do and how to use it and gave her the recipe, the mix-up, because as I'm talking to other people, I showed her how to make the waffles and stuff like that. Ibrima, you should have seen her eyes, how she looked with, oh, my God, and all the other kids started looking at her, you doing this? Who taught you how to do this? And she's making the waffles, and I'm looking, they want to learn this stuff, and they want to be healthy. They want what's going on with their bodies and I've seen it so many times where I met these youth kids and I've talked to the teachers I said you can have good students if you not they not eat that food in the cafeteria because a lot of that is That's processed right. food and the parents can have their kids back people can have their health back by what they eat out of the garden and growing their own food and eating this stuff and knowing that it is their medicine food is our medicine and you know, I've done so many And you know, they yes. reversed that. Right. They reversed that. Did you hear that? He reversed really? all of that. Yeah. No way. They, that was the best thing that happened in our time, or pretty much. Because oh. I even heard, you know, a friend of mine was saying the kids in the cafeteria didn't want to eat the vegetables, wouldn't eat the food that they literally was throwing that stuff away. Wow. They're throwing it away. They let rather get the poison, the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, but it's different, book. though. Right. So, I also our- experienced. Say that again? Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had experienced um, children at Worcester Change, you know, young as maybe five, and they just zoom into a plant. It's like some of them. Some of the most amazing focus you have seen, you know, like like scientists, you know, like little uh, like young um, George Washington Carver. I see many of that. I, I captured that on the films and everything. Those were my motivation. Those moments right there. But I see children show yeah. interest like that, and not only that, yeah. act on it. I best help with the children and the women. You know, but everything you know, I, I helped it happen. They made it happen. There's a book that was written back in the 1930 called Sugar in a Criminal Mindset, written by Joe Rodell. Mm-hmm. 
and that they knew back in the early 1900s that eating processed foods, sugar, white flour, white sugar, white rice has all been bleached, all this stuff is chemical, and that it oh, affects yeah, yeah. the frontal lobe of the brain. The frontal lobe of the brain, if you're eating the wrong food, especially sugar, it affects your mood, your behavior, your anger. It affects a lot, even your learning. And we can get our so kids, we can get our children back with the right diet. Not even just the children, but the, even the adults, the brothers and sisters on the street. Hello, yes. You know, when we yes. brought them to the farm and um, gave them employment and we all got fed a plant-based diet prepared by sisters and the brothers in there, everything came right from the farm. And the brothers from the shelter, they said that, you know, they didn't even want to go back to the shelter, you know. They, but they told me, they told us that when they eat the food that is served in, at the shelter, for some reason it just shut them down. But the food that they ate here, it just opened them up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is great. All right. We're going to take another break. Uh, we'll be back with the D-Hour Network. Right. Marcia Thaddeus with For Your Health. and. We'll be right back. Thank you.
right, you're back on the D Hour Network for your health show with Marcia Patterson. Um, Ibrima, I am so glad to have you on uh, talking about food and clothing because, you know, we are a brother's keeper, and many times we've gotten people get so busy and we're running, taking care of bills, uh, getting to and from work, and I see a lot of homeless people out, and I do have compassion for them, uh, and I know health reason why, you know, Many of them may have mental Ill- illness, and I know we can even take care of that with diet. And I, if we can just show people how to use natural food that's coming from the ground, because where we came from, we were created from the from the earth. So I'm just bringing that back full circle to say, eat from the land, and knowing how to take care of those foods will take care of you. And I. Thank you for the documentary because it was powerful. It was great. I loved it. And I think I haven't seen the second one. I just saw the first one that I purchased from you. So I'm going to take time to get the other one. But I think even if you have it free on the Internet, I always tell people, buy the video. You never know what, if, you know, if the Internet goes down, I don't know what is going, what's going to come back up, what information will be back up when it comes back up. So I think it's important to have books. I'm not for everything being downloaded on the, you know, and keeping it on your system. I like having right, something right, physically right. in my system. Great point. <laughs> I don't know. Great point. I just have that problem. Yeah, we're speaking about I mental do. problems. Yeah, it's a lot of mental issues, you know, in our community, especially in the black community. And yeah. a lot of us don't even know that we have mental issues. Some know it. And we, you know, I met a brother here in Minnesota, young brother. And uh, just trying to figure it out, you know, the metaphysical and the physical. And uh, he admitted to me that, yeah, he had mental issues, mental problems. But I'm like, I have met or worked with plenty of brothers, you know, and sisters, too, that don't even realize that there's some mental issues going on. Most of us are just like a a snap away, you know, because of... yeah. Everything, you know, we have to deal with out of balance, out of place, you know, and thinking that we can replace those void space with material things. It doesn't work. Yes, yes, yes. And that's a mental stress too, yeah. You know, trying to, you know, live up to what the world thinks you should have or um, be driving or living in or wearing. And yeah, because you, 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 you imitate it. You're assimilating somebody else. You're not being yourself. That alone is going to beat you down. Yeah. As soon as we I put our feet in the dirt, I, had, uh-huh. I want you to challenge you to say the people that you know are having a conversation with people who have mental illness, I want them to take a diary or a journal and see what they are eating. And mm-hmm. we take a look. Right. A lot of people are eating a lot of carbs, a lot of sugar, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that has a profound effect on our mental as well as our physical state of being. Mm-hmm. You have people that don't yeah. eat vegetables. They eat a lot of sodas. And I was talking to yeah. um, one of my a young lady, uh, She's like a daughter, granddaughter to me. Nakaira was here visiting with us from Milwaukee. Well, she's actually going to Alabama A&E 
in college, and she was telling me her brother had a heart attack, uh, 30 years old, drinking Red Bull, mm-hmm. drinking that Red Bull. I'm like, yeah. it messes with your heart. That thing is full of, and you see those little bottles old. of all, all in the grocery stores, at the gas station and stuff. People are purchasing them Red Bulls or Red, whatever those drinks are, those energy drinks. You're killing yourself at an early age. And it has yeah, to stop. Yeah. And, you know, when showing people that food is your medicine, how to prepare that food so it can give you life and give it to you abundant. And that's why my company tagline is putting the power of good health back into the hands of the people because it's what we put in our hands that's going to affect us. And that collective right there alone is healing. You know, you out there walking with different people on the land, you know, you have sense of community, you have sense of support, you know, the children are over there playing, you don't need daycare, they have daycare in the farm. We start calling them wow. farms, we start calling them earth schools, because that's really what they were, that's what they did for us. Most of us come to the farm, you can hear it on the ripple effect. People come to the farm, they say, oh my, you know, when I come here, I feel like I'll come to church. Some say, oh, when I come here, I feel like I come to school, because that's exactly what it was doing for us. So we start calling them earth yeah. schools. So that's really what we need is earth schools. And you'll have free daycare. The children will learn. <laughs> I mean, I have a sister who came to the farm one day, and um, that's on the ripple effect too. She said she was uh, risky. She said she was stressed out all day. She was, felt miserable. I mean, she said she was miserable until she got in that bus and ride the bus all the way to the bus stop where she get off to come to the farm and came to the farm soon as she walked through the entrance of the farm, took her shoes off, and deep her feet in the dirt. The sister literally started breaking down, crying, because the wow. food was sucking all that misery out of her. And it got so emotional, wow. she was crying. That's what the earth do for us. So we wow. realized that actually we have a school we call earth school. So we are promoting yeah. that. We want to, you know, promote more and more of the earth schools. Yes. All right, yeah. These other schools are not teaching now, us that anyway. No, no, no. And that's why I, I even had, um, his name is Robert. I can't think of Robert's last name. Out of Cleveland, Ohio, they teach, they bring young kids together to teach them how to fish. They have a fishing fishing tournament and fishing club for right. the kids in the inner city That's to right. take them out. And he was and had a couple of the young boys, the young men, mm-hmm. that had became competition fishermen. fishermen. And these young men are yeah. earning about $100,000 a year in bass fishing. That's and That's right. I've taken some – and actually when I had my home daycare, I've taken a few of my little boys out and – Man, they were scared of the water. They were scared of the worms. They were just scared. And I think <laughs> we need to do better. We just need to do better. Yeah, so at Earth School, I, I can see something like that, teaching them how to fish and teaching them how That's to grow the food. So exactly. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely so they don't have right. Absolutely right. Nothing. Away from nothing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like sister said, oh, I can't come to the farm. All right, my son, my daughter. The brother said, well, bring them with you. Here you got free daycare. Here we're running around over there, you know, experimenting on plants, 
eating some good food, learning something new, you know? And that's the environment now, when do you the, know, we want to be at. Now, if we want to get you listening, I'm sorry. But if anyone's listening, want to connect to you in the garden, uh, the garden here in Atlanta, would they go yeah. to Living Food? I know. Li- uh, uh, they should um, check out Truly Living, Living Well. Yeah, Truly yes. Living Well. Yes. They should also check out Grow Where You Are. They should also check out. Um, just pull up the album for Black, uh, Black Growers. They got a page on 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 the Facebook. I think I'm on this grade on there too. Uh, and a uh, black growers, uh, they, they, you know, it's farms everywhere in Atlanta. I mean, just go to Savannah, yeah. uh, pick up a good place. Yeah. Go to uh, Truly Living Well, they'll give you all the connect everywhere you need to go. Habasha too will do the same thing. So, um, now and you, if you purchase you, the film or watch the film and take, say that again. Are you connected to Georgia Organics? Oh, yeah, Brother Tanishio, he works for them. And he's in the ripple okay. effect. Okay, yeah, Brother Tanishio okay. is, well, can, uh, yeah, Sweet Candy Farm. Very resourceful, okay. Brother Tanishio. Yeah, you should you should look him up, Tanishio. Oh, right. I would make sure y'all are connected. Please. Now, yes, are you, what about individual what about individual farmers? Have you connected some of these small individual farmers throughout the Atlanta, I mean, Georgia area? Because I've connected some small, small farmers out in the Macon area. Um, and there's uh, Green Acres, which is in Fayetteville, so many small black farmers. Have you connected with some of them? Yeah, well, uh, far as my connection, uh, I was called in the rural area, Fort Gaines, Georgia. I have mm-hmm. family that watched watched my film. A uh, woman named Anita, she watched the film, and she made her mother watch the film. And after that, mother watched the film, she called me. She said she needs me to come to Fort Gaines. And um, she needs me to come see their village over there and that they need help. And so I got a few people together including Anita herself, and we drove to Fort Gaines to go visit her mother and, and their village over there. It was a great village. It was nice. It was uh, a little further away from Fort Gaines, uh, the city of Fort Gaines. But um, what it is is that Anita's mother's father bought all the land that, her, that his parents and grandparents walked on as slaves. And for him to keep the family together, he was able wow. to purchase this land and sell a portion of it to some of his family members to start the village. And they started the village, and they had everything on the village. I mean, all these acres of land and all these equipment, machines, tractors, you name it. It was sitting back there. Everything go rusted because old men had died, and uh, most of the children had, you know, left the the, the, the rural area uh, into the city for a better lifestyle. You know? mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. So children, nobody's there to teach the children how to continue doing that kind of work. So Mama said everything she saw on the film, you know, was her father's vision. So I went there, you know, and I, 
and uh, what we did was uh, we had a crew came with us, and you know we tried to help the village clean the village and um, help them plant some seeds and everything. So uh, I'll be going back hopefully this spring when I go back to visit the village and hopefully put them on the film. But uh, uh, you know we, we drove past miles and miles of no. I would love to go with you if you don't mind. I would love to go down. Oh yeah, great, right. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, for again, you see fields of cotton fields as far as your eyes can see. And now you know wow. uh, machines are walking them. You know, uh, the children are watching football game on TV, I guess, in the country. You know, everybody got these TVs, <laughs> so children are, you know. Yeah, so it's quite, quite mm-hmm. interesting. But then on the other hand, too, you know, um, you have people, you have farmers that, you know, are, are walking the land, that they know what they are doing. They're still keeping the tradition that was handed over down to them. You know, you can't take that from yeah. them. Because if they take that from you, they also take your livelihood from you. So, you know. Right, right. Those are the essentials, the fundamentals. You can't, you know what I mean? Everybody needs the fundamentals, you know? You can't give that up for, you know. And I want to connect with these farmers because with yesterday's Kitchen for the Day, I have a butcher club and a bushel club, and where I'm encouraging families to purchase things in bushel baskets from these farmers. Mm -hmm. And that we right, show right. them how to put the food away and store this food for right. long term as well as short term, how to use this food for medicine and eat it when it's in season. And, you know, and so being brother, able to have this food. So, Brother Tenicio from Georgia Organics would be your links for that because basically that's his job at Georgia Organics is to connect these black farmers. So following okay. some of these posts, you know, I'll see him in these rural areas with the farmers. So he will be a great okay. resource for for you on that behalf. Oh, I was going to check him out because I got a few of them on the list, but I want to get more because as I, with, I'm redoing the website as we speak and restructuring the company to be able to go teaching and having people to earn money connecting with me to host parties, to do demonstrations, and get paid for this because we sell equipment, we have sell food, but we want to sell it in bulk. We want families to go back to storing food and putting food away long-term as well as short-term. I've met a lot of preppers since I've been in this business, and I'm telling you, Ibrima, that so many people, if there's anything that go down in this nation, so many people, they don't, they're well stocked up and they, they're ready, they can feed themselves. But many of our people, yeah, well, right. they so, can't feed themselves. Right, but of course, but also, like you said, on the other hand, there's, there's people also preparing themselves. And people who are preparing yeah. themselves, they're seeking, they're seeking for, you know, a, a, a motherly energy like yours about containing yeah. everything bringing everything yeah. together, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And that way yeah. somebody feels yeah. like, okay, we, we, we got something, you know, we, we did something. So, and mm-hmm. it's so right on time because, like I said, there's people out there doing this stuff and the time supported right now, you know, this um, 2020 calendar stuff, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people call it the, the miracle years, you know. We were living this, this you know, just age of ignorance. People are coming out of that. You know, we go on to our true self, we connect it. 
make miracles happen, you know. I don't even think yeah. miracles, we don't even deal with that because we, uh, we, we know. So once you know, it's not a miracle anymore. You just have to perform, you know. So yeah. that's what I see is happening. And I see what you're doing is so current and it's so relevant and it's so needed. Everybody needs it. You know, only mama can do that. Only mama knows the, you know, the importance of the essentials, you know what I mean? Yeah. Only mama can have that kind of empathy, that kind of love, that kind of passion, you know? So uh, with everything that I was blessed to know as far as resources, because people are your most valuable resource, and we are seeking them right. right now, and we have them. So for me, I will turn those resources over, you know, uh, some of these brothers and sisters are pioneers. They need people like yourself. You know, it could further what they are doing, and it could further what you yeah. are doing. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Thank you. I thank you so much. Okay, we're getting almost close to the end of the show because we got about 11 minutes left, but I want you to repeat okay, to our listening audience how they can get their uh, video and the website okay, to okay. get in the jury because I'm going to get some more jury. And um, we got to do this again, and I, we're going to stay connected so we can take this mission to everybody. We want people to be oh. able to feed themselves healthy and how to grow their own food. Like I said, I'm so, you know, so thankful because I said to myself, this year I'm not going to sit on no panel discussions, you know. I only have to deal with people who are really serious <laughs> about this stuff because it's not a joke. You know, no. so I have visited your website, I did some research, you know, and I know Mama is, you know, Mama is serious. So, you know, uh, yes. I'm, I'm just honored to be on your platform and look forward to do great things with you, you know, great and better things because Thank you. Yes. Uh, your ideas I, yes. are, are valuable ideas, very valuable. And me as a young man and as your son, you know, I can only just be at your service, you know, you, you bring the ideas to us, what, what's important, what needs to be done to keep the, to keep the village together, and so that it also take the collective, like they say, take a village to raise a child, you know, that mm-hmm. attitude has to be back again in the community, you know. Yes. So we thank you very much, and I think that's what you're doing. That's exactly what yeah. you're doing, I think, and um, thank you so much for doing that, for holding that space, you know. Thank you very much. I just see. I, I knew when I walked in that store, we was. I was drawn to you. It was like something inside me just drew me right over to that table to you. And I'm. It's, it's a blessing because, like I said, the the video is great. So I'm encouraging people to purchase it to support it. Yes, we can watch some of it free on um, YouTube, but we're going to support what he's doing and his mission. And it takes money to do that and to, to buy the jewelry. Um, this is his job and his passion. So let's support that. So again, the website on where they can get the video. Yeah, they can and visit. Um, great. Yeah. Um, as far as the video, we have Ripple Effect Food, Clothing, and Shelter Volume Two. That can be purchased on Amazon.com. Uh, food, Clothing, and Shelter Ripple Effect Volume Two, and it's all solution-based. And with that film, you're going to witness a lot of emotional intelligence between humans, plants. And the soil, the dirt, how it aligns frequencies. You would also see in that film how communities in Atlanta and around are creating a holistic environmental sustainability as the cultural norm. It always had been till we moved away from it. 
but most of us are going back to it now. So mm-hmm. uh, food, clothing, and shelter, ripple effect, volume two, on Amazon.com. Uh, we need that traffic over there, so we appreciate you. Uh, our, our bracelets, you know, like I said, the ancients say copper is a versatile and a useful metal for both metaphysical and physical healing purposes. And uh, it resonates with the earth element, and it teaches the ancient ways of walking in balance with the planet and all the beings upon it. And they make good indicators to tell you when you lack water and sleep. They help also pull acid out of your skin. They help people with pain like arthritis. So we make them simple. You can sleep with them. You can shower with them. We got different styles with names and meaning and purpose. And you can visit them, the bracelets, at coppernumo.com, www.coppa, C-O-P-P-E-R, numo, N-U-M-O, dot com. And, um, yeah, explore what we do. Uh, we are here. We're also starting a campaign about helping to clean the lakes. You know, some of the lakes wow. bring them back to drinkable water here in Minnesota because uh, we have plenty of water here. Actually, that's what the name uh, Minneapolis means. Uh, uh, polis is a Greek name for city, and mini is an Indian word for water, so the city of water. But the waters, for the most part, is not drinkable anymore. So I think um, we have to do something about that, see how we can try to clean the waters over here. And then um, in the spring, we'll be mm-hmm. headed to Atlanta to work on American food and history, the decolonization mm-hmm. and the evolution of our diet. And we would love to collaborate and work with Sister Marsha. Perfect. And who so find out at www. Mm-hmm. Say one more time. I missed that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, go, uh, uh, copper Numo. Numo. N U M O. Yes, Copper Numo. Right. Correct. Right. Yes. N U M O. dot com. Yep. And um, there's a lot of information too on there about copper and the benefits what it do for you. And copper is antibacterial too. You know. So they are replacing a lot of stuff with copper. If you're not used to copper, you may want to get used to it. Yeah. Well, I'm getting used to mine, so I'm going to get me some more bracelets. I think I'm going to get some for my daughters and my grandbabies. So I'm just yes, grateful ma'am. for yes, you ma'am. taking the time out with you on this Sunday evening because you could have been doing anything else. But I'm I'm truly grateful for you taking out time to share your passion with the video and your passion for another human being uh, that's down and out or just in a situation where they're not able to help themselves. And that's what we do. We are a brother's keeper to be able to raise up and help one another. And for that, Absolutely. I am truly, truly grateful for you. Absolutely. So and we are truly grateful for you, yeah. for the service that you do, you know. Yes, the service that you do mm-hmm. and the service that we all do is what's going to bring our completion. So we absolutely appreciate you from deep, you. you know, from a deep place of everything that you do, and we want to encourage you that you are doing the right thing, Mama, and we want you to continue, and that we need you of everything that you are Aww. doing. Gratitude, and thank you so much. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much. And you know, some days, you know how you know, like you said, when you're out here by yourself, sometimes you feel like you're alone, but really you're not alone, and it gets a little discouraging. No, you think, Mama. Oh my God, people are listening. 
But, you know, I've gotten, lately I've been getting a lot of phone calls, people saying, oh, my God, Miss Marcia, you told me about this and it worked or I'm feeling better. And I just had a lady call me um, three days ago. I did a workshop mm-hmm. in Noonan maybe three years ago, and I talked to her yeah. about the benefit of salt and how salt is mm-hmm. healthy for your body. And I gave her, right. she bought from my stores, peak Himalaya sea salt because mm-hmm. I sold the big rocky kind. And right. I told her, we are the salt of the earth. We need some in our body. And, you know, how it helps with mm-hmm. your arthritis and your cramping and things That's like right. that. Yes. And yes. So she I used to have all yeah. yeah. So she's telling me she's cramping and she remembered what I said. And she started adding it back into her diet and in her water. And it went away. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, my That's God, right. I forgot about this. And so, you know, we lay seeds. But Information could change somebody's life. Yes. Simple information like that can change somebody's life. So again, thank you so much, and um, hopefully we'll do it again. And we're gonna take this to Africa. Right now we're just walking here. We're building bigger than us. Yes. Right after here is going home. Yeah. So we just do. We just we just laying the blocks down over here for right now. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Yeah, it was a conversation. It was an interview. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. All right, everyone, I'm going to wish you a blessed week. Many people are off. Um, Tomorrow is Martin Luther King's birthday. So for those who are off. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, happy birthday to the king. (laughs) Yeah. I think we need to and sit you, back I'm and glad reflect. you brought him up before we packed up because, you know, he yes. actually inspired the Poor People campaign. And I think I've, I've been working on his yes. footsteps because Food, Clothing, and Shelter is really Dr. King's continuations of works. You know, he campaigned for the poor yes. people. He did. Right. He so, did. you know, I'm so happy and that you brought him up. Thank you so much. Pick up that torch and do it. Yes. yes. So for those yes. who are off, you know, let's reflect by taking care of one another feeding our brothers and sisters, and looking out for each other. So I just want to thank you so much. You have a blessed week. Everyone, uh, uh, next Sunday we'll have Dr. Lester L. Carter back on, and he's going to be talking about his book on his herbs and medicine, using natural herbs. All right, have a blessed week. Bye-bye.